0: High in the air, Brito back at the wall, Adios Pelotas!
1: Welcome to
0: episode 110 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. How are you doing, Andy? I am doing. I am rolling along. How are you? I'm doing okay. This is our final regular installment of the podcast for the 2020 season. We will be back as news dictates, but let's start by talking about the sad news. It just keeps coming in 2020. Hall of Famer Joe Morgan, who played two seasons for the Giants, uh, but they were so impactful. Uh, Joe Morgan passed away, and so we have to acknowledge just the presence he was—the baseball presence. Just such a legend on and off the field. This news just hit me really,
3: really hard. Yeah, I think that uh, for Giants fans of our era or our vintage, you know, the home run that he hit to knock the Dodgers out is is one of your favorite moments uh, as a Giants fan. Even though that was a spoiler moment, it it's still just says so much about sort of the DNA of a Giants fan that that was such an iconic memory. And of course, he's from Castlemont High. He moved to the Bay Area from Texas when he was young and, and I think we tend to forget about his East Bay roots and his Oakland roots and, and, you know, because of everything that happened afterwards and and you think about Ricky and you think about all the other Bay Area legends, you kind of forget that, you know, probably the greatest second baseman in Major League history uh, is a Castlemont High kid as well. And, you know, one reason it hit me pretty hard, I think, is because you know, we were all looking for things to write about when there was no sports going on in, in March and April and in May. And I was looking for things that I could, you know, 25th anniversary of this or the 30th anniversary of that. And one thing I stumbled upon was Sunday Night Baseball, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball started up 30 years ago. And I wrote something talking to John Miller, who, who put me in touch with Joe Morgan, about their relationship as, as broadcasters together on the same broadcast every Sunday for 20 years, aside from Pat Summerall and John Madden was the longest national broadcast partnership in in sports in this country and just their personalities and their friendship and what they meant to each other and and I really really appreciated getting to talk to Joe for about an hour and just get a sense for his spirit and his determination and all the ways that he was a special person, that he just was built to be extraordinary because of his force of will. So yeah, I was really really sad when I heard the news, just a gut punch with all the Hall of Famers we've lost this year.
0: My heart goes out to Joe Morgan's family first and foremost, but the person I thought of right away was, was John Miller, just because I kn- he has to be absolutely devastated. That was one of his best friends, you know, one of his favorite people on the planet. and So I thought of, of him immediately because that was a, a pretty pretty special relationship they had
3: I don't know if this one got in the story or not but this is this is straight out, out of my um uh, this is what he told me
2: very proud of everything that I did as a player like you mentioned you know as a hall of famer as a world champion I tell people I have been blessed you know to have such a great baseball career and then to have you know the career in broadcasting especially when I was five foot five 150 pounds and they're saying you small. And for all this to have happened to me, I am just blessed. If I had to choose one thing, it would be being a major league baseball player. You know, I didn't set out to make the Hall of Fame. I just set out to be a major league baseball player, and to accomplish that, and then to accomplish uh, you know the broadcast thing because I won two Emmy awards, and yeah. that was during the time when John Madden was winning every year. I broke his first streak, and then he went on another one, and I broke the second one. I'm sitting in my man cave now, and I look around every day now, especially now. Something in here reminds me of something. Something. I got my Emmy awards up on display. I got my championship trophies. I got stuff. All these things remind me of where I came from, because I, I, you know, I grew up in Oakland, and you know, and, and what I've accomplished. And so I don't try to get specific say, you know, the greatest thing I ever did was make the Hall of Fame, or the greatest thing ever did when we went to Emmy Awards, or the greatest thing I ever did was this or that. I don't really look at my life that way, because I have four daughters, all of them smart as hell, and that might be the best accomplishment.
3: They've gone to Stanford, USC, an attorney in Oakland. He has twins working at Stanford. One's a nurse practitioner. Another one works for Snapchat, has a great job in San Francisco, and she's been staying home with him during these last months. Uh, One living in LA and one living in Oakland in the house that they built. There And he spoke with so much pride about raising four just strong, independent women. And that was such a point of pride for him. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share that because it really kind of almost summarizes, you know, just what he was all about. Man,
0: that was pretty powerful. Heart goes out to his family, uh, to his friends. When you talked about that home run and being important to Giants fans, I think it's, it's a really important home run to understand like you said the DNA of a Giants fan you have to understand why it was such a big deal because in the 70s the Giants fell into the toilet the team of Mays and McCovey uh, just became this this also ran this this team that just kept giving their lunch to the Dodgers Uh, and the Dodgers were winning championships and they were the golden children of of the National League West and the Giants couldn't touch them but in 1982 they were close and they were battling they are battling uh, it was a three-way race Race between the Braves and the Dodgers, and the Giants were knocked out toward the end of the season. I think there were uh two games left. The Giants Giants were out. They they couldn't win the division, but they could spoil it for the Dodgers. And Morgan hit the home run that ended up knocking the Dodgers out. And when you watch the highlight, you could you could see the players and how seriously they took it. They were tired of the Dodgers eating the Giants lunch. I mean, they they were tired of it, and the fans were tired of it. It was just it was constant year after year after year and finally they got to poke Goliath in the eye finally they got that and Morgan you know you, when you saw him running around the bases he was clapping his hands and he was met outside of the dugout by the entire team it was a big big deal you know when you look at it on the surface it's wow it was, the Giants were spoilers haha they sure got the Dodgers but no it meant a lot more than that so you know he only played with the Giants for two seasons but that's a huge memory to leave for him
3: yeah that's that's great and, and so well- well stated, um, and you wonder uh, it's a little different now, right? I mean, the the Giants have won three World Series, so uh, but you know the Dodgers have won the division what eight years in a row now, so maybe it's time for someone else. You wonder who the next uh, maybe veteran they they acquire as a, a sort of a, a side piece could step into that moment and and kind of redirect uh, the the orientation of these two franchises and and and. Uh, start to help the Giants build back to be the top team in the NL West again because it's it's been a it's becoming a pretty foreign feeling to to come on top out on top against the Dodgers. They've just got got such a stranglehold on the division right now.
0: And here's something about Joe Morgan. So you know that he's he's got the home run and that's the reason he lives in Giants lore. But here's an underrated reason why he should be in Giants lore. Because after that home run, on December 14th, he's traded to the Phillies and who do the Giants get back in that trade? Mike Kruko. So without Joe Morgan, <laughs> you might not have Kruk and Kipe, and that's dead serious. That's the reason why Mike Kruko became a, a Giants legend. Wow, I always forget that
3: little detail,
0: yeah. That was all set up by the Bill Madlock trade because that brought Ed Whitson to the Giants, and Ed Whitson was traded for Dwayne Kuiper. so if the Giants don't trade Bill Madlock, they don't get uh, Kruk or Kipe. It's, I don't know, I'm a nerd about this.
1: You know
3: what, though? That's It's really good to look at it from a positive standpoint because then you forget that the Giants traded away like, you know, Gary Matthews and George Foster. I mean, they traded <laughs> yes. away a staggering amount of really talented outfielders. They just like gave them away in the 1970s. And then they've, they've gone the last 15 years without being able to develop one, so, which is uh, uh, kind of strange. And hopefully that, that's about to end. But uh, yeah, the, the Giants had a lot of players that like Bill Madlock, a guy who won batting titles. He, he was a Giant until he wasn't. We'll be right back after
1: this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
0: I always just love looking at that uh, trade tree. It used to be back in the early days of the internet. Greg Perlman was obsessed with this trade tree. It all comes down from Bobby Bonds and extends through Kruko and Kuiper. It's you can you know go all the way back to this one trade. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. But you know that's an underrated part of Joe Morgan's tenure with the Giants. He he's the reason Kruko was here. He had the home run. Uh, you know when I search Joe Morgan home run on Google, uh, the first thing that pops up is a home run he hit for the Phillies in the World Series. the I. 1983 World Series. And it's just like, man, everywhere he went, he was just awesome. You know, when he was 40, he's putting up an on-base percentage of 356. His defense is still, you know, average or a little bit above average. That's when he's 40. Uh, But then you look at his best years and when he was winning back-to-back MVPs. I just I, I just marvel at the stat line. It's like Mike Trout, except he's a Gold Glove second baseman. I mean, that's the only way to put it. Uh, he's just he's leading the league in walks. He's got sixty seven steals one year. He's hitting for twenty seven homers. Just one one of the most amazing runs in baseball history.
3: You know, um, I love that eighty three Phillies team. Uh, because you know they the, the 1950 team that won the pennant was the Whiz Kids because they were all <laughs> young uh, guys under 25 Richie Ashburn, Robin Roberts. So in 1983, somebody I don't know which press box wag made made this up, but they called them the Weeze Kids uh, because everybody was ancient. Morgan was 39, Tony Perez was 40, Pete Rose was 41, Steve Carlton was on that team. He was 38. Tug McGraw was 38. Um, Oh, here we go. Philadelphia Daily News sports writer Stan Hockman gave them the Wheeze Kids nickname. And it was quickly adopted. And uh, yeah, I love it. That's one of my favorites. That is good. That is good.
0: Yeah, Steve Carlton, 38. Wow. Giants legend Steve Carlton right
3: there. Former Giants hitting coach Joe LaFay was uh, was quite a, a,
0: a bopper on that team. I was about, I'd say, 32 when I figured out how to <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, the, baseball makes it tough on you because there was also a Jim LaFeber you know, who was a manager for the uh, what Cubs and, and Seattle Mariners. He played for the Dodgers. So you had a LaFay and a LaFeber and they're spelled pretty much the same way. Way, so. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's wh- how, how it got in your brain. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel so much better because that was like
0: a Berenstein Bears thing or like a, the Mandela effect. I was thinking, I know that this guy's name wasn't Lefebvre the whole time I was growing up. I just know it, but I'm going to shut up because clearly I'm wrong.
3: But no, there was a Lefebvre. Are you talking about the Berenstein Bears? Or the- yeah, see, that's where we're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go down go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, you know what though? I, I tell you what, baseball's a lot easier than hockey. To me, hockey is the, the most impossible one because... Because, you know, you've got a lot of people who just don't have vowels in their name. Um, but also, there's a lot of players. Like, I remember I was uh, at Mighty Ducks camp one year, when they were still the Mighty Ducks. And um, and I was supposed to write something on Denny Lambert. Okay, Denny Lambert, right? That's easy. No, it's Lambert. Ah, oh, damn it. And so I'd, I'd, I'd Frenchify another one, and they'd be like, no, it's, it's, uh, it's Colbert. And I'm like, God. Gosh darn it! I couldn't pronounce anyone's name right.
0: No, I mean the the gold standard is Shashevsky. That is, I I stare at that name sometimes. Mike Shashevsky, and I just I try and figure it out, and I'm not smart enough. I just I don't possess the levels of brain that that it takes to get
3: Kraszuski to Shashevsky. I just I'm not smart enough. You know what? I I, I was what's his name? Uh, Matt Caesar. That one's great. Yeah. It's it's S C Z C Z U R. I think and And somehow it's pronounced just like Julius Caesar so it works out great.
0: All right, the Giants released a a statement about the passing of Joe Morgan. Larry Bear made the following statement on behalf of the Giants organization quote, Joe had a long and distinguished career on the field, in the broadcast booth and in the community and his passing leaves a hole in the unique fabric of our great game our condolences go out to the Morgan family for their tremendous loss and we extend our thoughts to Joe's teammates, his friends and to all those touched by his passing end quote. So a pretty tough day in Giants, dumb and base baseball in general, and just one of the most fantastic baseball players who ever lived. So rest in peace, Joe Morgan.
3: And not only that, you've got, you've lost Bob Gibson this year, lost Lou Brock, uh, lost Al Kaline, Whitey Ford. And it seems especially tough this year because people pass away, right? It's, It's part of the bargain of being on this planet. But you know, we didn't get to celebrate any new Hall of Famers this year either. So it's just been a tough, tough year for that Cooperstown community and a tough year for especially the African-American legends, three of them passing away in the same year. I'm I'm still coming to terms with Ernie Banks not being here and and Frank Robinson. So it's really, really tough to think about all of that expertise and all of that talent and all of those legends um, and those life experiences kind of sort of shuffling off. And you hope that uh, new legends are created and and we all sort of appreciate the careers and the lives that they had.
0: Do you think that the Frank Robinson Award is going to be the new name of the uh, Most Valuable Player Award? Do you think that there's any traction in that?
3: Oh, I hope so. I think it makes all the sense in the world because you've already got, you know, a Hank Aaron Award. You've already got a Babe Ruth Award. Frank Robinson is, you know, one of the game's all-time greats, an inner circle hall of famer, and the only person ever to win the MVP in both leagues. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And, And the BBWA did vote um, by a pretty wide margin to take Kennesaw Mountain Landis's name off of the MVP award, which I didn't even realize it was on there to begin with. But if you're going to name it for someone, and they don't have to but it sure would seem to be a great honor for Frank Robinson. I just wish that they'd done it while he was still with us and, and would know that his legacy would be carried on with, with something like that.
0: All right. Well, let's switch gears to talk about as, as you put it, let's wrap a bow on this 2020 Giants season. Um, we've talked about whether it was a success or not. And I think we both agree that in some, some measure it was a successful season, even though the giants didn't finish over 500 or at 500. Um, but just final thoughts on the 2020 season, where they where they are, where they're going. Uh, I I think it was a productive season, a weird season, a a season that will never be replicated in like 50 different ways. But overall, just a, it was a fun giant season and we were never guaranteed a season at all. So we will take the fun as it comes.
1: No,
3: absolutely. I, I, you know what? I gotta be honest, even though it's, I mean, it's my job, um, watching Giants baseball the last couple of years, especially at home, has been tough. It's, it hasn't been a team that's provided a lot of entertainment value. And, you know, I, I go back to my experience as just a sports fan. And, you know, the number one thing I'm a fan of that I watch, you know, just as a, you know, leisurely, as purely as a fan is, is college football. And I think about what do I want to get out of a season? And, you know, my team is Northwestern. It's not Ohio State. I don't think of the national championship, but I want a team that I can Enjoy watching that—that's going to have a little razzle dazzle. That's going to, you know, um, really, you know, keep you on the edge of your seat and, and have those roller coaster ups and downs in a game and and, and win more than you lose, obviously. Um, and just be people that you have people that you, you take pride in rooting for. You know, good people. Um, and 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 that's that's the experience that I think as I've gotten older, it isn't win every game at all costs. It's it's more just have a good experience. And the Giants had not been a good experience the last couple of years, especially 2019. It was just at home; they couldn't score. They 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 didn't give you enough opportunities to get out of your chair and clap. And uh, this team, you know, finished under 500, missed the postseason by a game but they gave you a lot of opportunities to get off your sofa and clap and hopefully out of your stadium seat next year. Um, They were just, they were fun to watch and they were compelling in a lot of different ways and um, aggravating in other ways. But uh, I think, by that measure, it was a very successful season. And a lot of people got better at the major league level, even veterans. And that was the whole point of this coaching staff under Gabe Kapler. And I think you've got to sing their praises a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I really like the analogy to college football because, okay, look, I'm a San Jose State grad. And they're not going to be playing in a, a bowl game that anyone cares about. They are not, you know, very uh, good generally they are not <laughs> not, a, not a, a historic football program uh well that's I not love true how they have a of... for an adjective
3: and you landed on good <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are you know uh, they do have a, a rich legacy when you talk about you know uh, uh bill walsh and, and, and jeff garcia and stuff like that but they're just you know you're not going into san jose state and thinking i'm i'm in it for the championships you're not what you what you're going in there for is you want to see that one game you want to you want to see them you know battle against an sec opponent like arkansas and Come out on top. And that's, you know, what they did. And and Arkansas obviously was a bad SEC team, but it was just fun to say, okay, this is a team that sometimes does stuff. And San Jose State beat them. Ha ha. That's what you're looking for. And so it's different with baseball, but you still want that... You just want to root for a team or watch a team that entertains you. And that's what the 2020 Giants did, uh, where the 2018 Giants, for sure, uh, didn't do, or the 2017 Giants. My goodness, that was a wretched team. So, uh, you know, those are the little things you're looking for. And that's why the 2020
3: Giants felt like a breath of fresh air. And they did. And and you wonder if some of that is, you know, they refreshed the coaching staff, obviously, and not to, not to pin it on Bruce Bochy, but, you know, there were a lot of changes just made to try to invigorate the environment. And uh, um, a lot of personnel changes as well. A lot of people who are hungry, who haven't won a World Series titles. And even some of the guys who who do have rings, like like the Brandons, uh, played with a lot more energy and, and, and got better um so I think in a lot of ways it was just a season that there was a lot of invigoration going on is that a word Invi- <laughs> I- invigoratingness um <laughs> and 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 what good timing too right I mean we're all just starved for for something to watch to uplift us and to root for and entertain us and distract us a little bit you know wondering if this baseball season was even going to be a good idea and you know what there were a couple of of things that happened there was uh, you know wildfire smoke in Seattle and there was Um, you know, the, the day when Mookie Betts wasn't going to play after the shooting in Kenosha and, um, and the Giants were in lockstep with the Dodgers on deciding not to play to, to have a day to think about, you know, racial injustice and and police brutality. And of course we had, you know, guys, including Gabe Kapler taking a knee for the Anthem all season long, um, and and then you know the the false positive COVID test that Alex Dickerson had, thank goodness, was was a false positive, and and he and his wife welcomed their uh, their baby boy uh, a week later with no problems. Uh, so grateful for all of that. But yeah, there was a lot to navigate, and yet um, they were able to get this season off the ground. They were able to complete it, all sixty games. And they provided a lot of entertainment value at a time when I think a lot of people were looking for it and needed it. And so what, how, you know, obviously they really, really would have liked to have win, won one more game and taken their cracks against the Dodgers in a first round series. But, um, you know, I, I, I still think you can't you can't call the season a failure because they just came up short.
0: When I think back to the 2019 season, I generally have positive feelings of the 2019 season it was more fun than expected they were contending uh through the trade deadline they had a rough august but that was an exciting team but an underrated component of that team's misery was that the players who struggled were the familiar faces the players who were just recently good like right over there you know in 2016 the giants are are really good in the first half of the season it's because brandon crawford and brandon belt and buster posey and joe Panic, and now you know, in 2019, you have Buster Posey having a career-worst offensive year. The Brandons are just not doing anything. Brandon Crawford, in particular, was was awful in 2019. Uh, Joe Panic was so bad that the Giants had to cut him loose, and it was an understandable move. And it was it was tough to watch all these guys who were recently it, it, just it, the biggest parts of the Giants' success. The reason that they were so fun to watch, and now they're the reason they're not fun to watch. That was really, really hard. And so that... It, is one of the best parts of the 2020 season is that Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford kicked Kick butt, and you know Buster Posey, he was missed, but at the same time, you you had these familiar faces, uh, Pablo Sandoval and Hunter Pence, notwithstanding. But these these guys were responsible for the Giants winning in these great great moments. and yeah, That's an underrated part of the 2020 season.
3: Yeah, and beyond that, I think you saw a lot more cohesiveness because there wasn't the kind of just completely crazy player movement that there was in 2019. I mean, they used 64 players in National League record, and it was a tough. Thing to cover because you didn't know if you needed to even introduce yourself to the next new face in the clubhouse because they could be gone the next day, like Aaron Altair was. Um, and, and I think that that made it really difficult to have some cohesion in the clubhouse. And you had a, a new front office with a legacy manager at the same time. Not to suggest that there was conflict there. I think that they handled that as well as could be handled. But you knew that it was you know they couldn't really. Uh, jump in with both feet on on this uh, rebuild that they had to do because they still had to pay respect to their outgoing, you know, soon-to-be Hall of Fame manager. And, you know, I think that showed. I think it showed in, in a lot of ways. They played like a distracted team. And even though they they stayed on the fringes of contention long enough to keep Madison Bumgarner at the trade deadline, they were wretched at home. I mean, they, they tied for the, the worst home record in San Francisco Giants history, and they couldn't score at home at all. So, you know, They obviously turned that around, and they played so much better at home this season. Their offense worked at home, and part of that was the ballpark. I think part of it was their hitting philosophy and their personnel – um, and it just sort of, all of that gives you a little bit more promise. That this is going to be a team that can win at home again, because that's going to be a, a huge, a huge dynamic as, as they attempt to compete with, you know, a Dodgers team that's not going to get any worse and a Padres team that is uh, ascendant.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And the the way that the Giants were relevant in 2020, like you said, it gives you hope for the future. And, and you can count the ways where it's, uh, it's not Mike Yastrzemski and Donovan Salon not just like giving their gains back or treading water but they got better you know they got better it seems sustainable the the brandons the way that the giants were able to fix them and sort of get them back on track that augurs well for the future just every sign about the offense makes you think okay they can do this again or they can figure it out the pitching i'm not so sure about that but at the same time Kevin Gossman and Drew Smiley, uh, they were they were good finds. That gives you faith in the in the brain trust. And then you have a bullpen where it was up and down. And I'm actually writing about it right now. And boy, the downs were down. <laughs> you have the foundation for next year's bullpen. You know, they're in place where you're talking Tyler Rogers and Caleb Berger and 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 a couple of others. I mean, you've got four or five guys that you can reasonably count on for next year. So it's it's trending upward. You just need a season where they're over. 500 to get really excited.
3: Yeah, Barriger was certainly, I think, one of the high points of the pitching story of the season. The, probably the lowest point was Johnny Cueto, and I didn't realize until you'd really done the digging that he, you can make a case that he was the worst starter in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, they have got one more very, very expensive year of Johnny Cueto left, and, and I think that it was going to be pretty important for him to be You know, maybe not an ace, but, you know, sort of a top tier type of starter uh, to take the pressure off the rest of the rotation. And I don't know if we can comfortably um, pencil them in for that next year based on what we saw this season. Um, So, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do and and they're going to have a lot of choices, I think, as a lot of, you know, arbitration guys are probably going to get non tendered as teams look to save money after the financial, you know, impacts of of, of 2020. Um, So, you know, that sort of, I think, augers well as well. I love the word auger. Let's do some more augering. It's a good word. It's a good word. Because as you no- noted, they're good at finding uh, guys. They're good at finding value. And if they're going to have more choices out there and more players, then that's going to give them even more opportunities. And I still think they'd love to re-sign Gaussman and Smiley. I don't know if they'll be able to. Um, but here's, here's one more. Uh, how about uh, a certain KBO star, uh, Ha Sung Kim? Uh, have you seen video of him? He's going to be posted by the Kiwoom Heroes. He's a shortstop. He is fun to watch. I'll, I'll take one of him.
0: I know. I have, and I was thinking. Okay, so where he is primarily a shortstop, correct? In the KBO. Yes. So it, the idea is—is is your genius idea to move him around like a Ben Zobris type, or just kind of park him at third and say, uh, you know, we'll we'll use him platoon situations? Evan Longoria. How do? You, how would he fit uh, in the Giants? System. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly. I mean, hey, I'm all for it. I am all for it. So, I, you know, I look at the free agents this year and it's, it's a richer list, I think, than y- in years past. I'm just looking at some of the names in, in possible fits for the Giants, whether it's, uh, I don't know, Michael Brantley, or if you're talking about maybe a center fielder, you can go Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, I don't know if Jock Peterson is much of a center fielder anymore, but that would be a fun bat to have and see if the Giants could fix. You know, Farhan Zaidi is, is intimately familiar with him. Um, Marcelo Zuna, maybe a little bit too much of a Dr. Strange glove to to commit to long term but then you have the infielders like uh, Tommy Lestella if you want to get really versatile or maybe you can go DJ LeMayhew if you want to drop some some big coin on on an infield solution the Giants will
3: have options
0: this year they'll have a ton of of ways to fix this team
3: uh fun fact Jock Peterson an inductee in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame of Northern California I did not know that I know this because he was uh he was inducted uh, last year, along with San Francisco Chronicle, great uh, beat writer uh, for the Giants, Henry Shulman. Oh,
0: okay. You know, I I did know that Jock Peterson was local because he's a weirdo who went to Palo Alto High School and didn't root for the Giants. That bugs me.
3: <laughs> well, um, yeah, we could ask him all about that in spring training next year, maybe. Uh, and, and he'll lock her next to Trevor Bauer and, and they'll have ribald conversations and we'll be able to capture it all.
0: You know, it's one thing if you're Stephen Piscotti and you grow up in Pleasanton and you're an A's fan, okay, I get that. But when you are growing up in palo alto Uh, palo alto and let's see what year did he graduate uh 2010 okay are you are you serious you're graduating from palo alto high school in 2010 and you're just you're not on board the giants train you're not excited about tim lincecum and matt kane you're what what team did he root for Do do you remember i don't know do you know no i can't remember i don't think it was dodgers but it's like come on how are you not into the giants in that period he must have been really scarred by like the 2006 the brian bocock era uh, i guess that could turn off a kid
3: i mean there's you know what though there's something about i mean i've talked to a lot of baseball players about who who were your favorites growing up or who were the posters on your wall and i think when you play baseball um you're a little more likely to just gravitate toward the great players you know like uh there are so many guys now who say oh i was a huge a-rod fan and i'm like really <laughs> but you didn't grow up in New York or Texas when you was playing there. But yeah, there are a lot of people who are A-Rod fans or Jeter fans or, you know, um, you just sort of gravitate to, to the best of the best, you know. So, you know, I'm sure when I'm uh, uh, a little bit older in this game, I'll, 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 I'll walk into a clubhouse and I'll ask, who was your favorite player growing up? And they'll say Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'll want to go walk off a, a four-story <laughs> building <laughs> and say, well, I'm ancient. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it is it is a little bit strange that Jock Peterson was not a Giants fan. But, hey, neither was Troy Tulowitzki and he grew up in, what, Cupertino? Oh, that's right. That's
0: another one of those weirdos. I don't like these weirdos. All right. All right. Well, this has been episode 110 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Again, this is our last regular one for a while. When the Giants sign George Springer, we will be back to talk about that. Uh, Or when they trade. (laughs) (laughs) I think I used that joke last time, but it still amuses me. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll be doing podcasts to cover the breaking news and such. But this is our last regular one for a while. So thanks so much for listening. I had a lot of fun this year. Uh, 110 episodes. Can you believe that that we've just jabbered back and forth at each other for a hundred and ten
3: hours? Well, it's only felt like hundred and ten hours, but uh, <laughs> um, you always have the sign off where you thank everyone for listening. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna echo that and say thank you to everybody for listening and for following along. And you know, even when we do, were doing the podcast twice a week in in April and May and just scrambling to find things to to talk about we somehow got a half hour in twice a week and and, uh, it's been a year like none other but we absolutely appreciate everybody for listening and sticking with us and and hopefully you've been entertained a little bit and maybe not a little more than mildly annoyed at times and and a big (laughs) thank you to Tanika Smothers for everything she does to make us sound good and to to get this out to you so thanks Grant for everything you do
0: no thanks to you and of course thanks to Tanika I mean you don't know what this sounds like before she gets her hands on it it's unlistenable I mean it's just it's just garbage (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she she polishes it up and gets it out to you and uh, it makes us look good. So thanks to Tanika. Thanks to you for listening. And we will see you as news dictates. Ta-ta for now.